right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. <laughs> Meanwhile, I don't, 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 I However you want to do it. But, yeah, flick, my flick of the week is going to be the 2017 Netflix original, The Babysitter. I'm going with Easy Money this week, only because I haven't watched Mr. Yeah. Brooks yet. I can't believe I'm losing to a rug. All right. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. We're so glad that you could attend. Come inside, come to inside. Side. I am Joe Spiegel. And you are, yes. Uh, I think we already established Well, that. I know, but it's the part of the shtick, man. I, I had to get it out of the way. It's just like, you know. It's a part of the shtick. That's good. That's good. All right. So, <laughs> uh, my flick, the, uh, yeah, the babysitter. Okay. Just It just popped in the last couple of weeks on uh, on the Netflix. And it's a, it's this is a, a great movie to watch this time of month and during the season of Halloween. Um, the film is directed by Mick G., who has uh, a big hand in Supernatural and also the Charlie's Angels films and a few other things. Terminator Salvation. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. and that comes directly, that style with Supernatural comes directly into play with how this movie works out. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so a character named Cole, he's a 12-year-old boy who uh, Cole. whose parents are played by Leslie Bibb and Ken Marino. Tyler, Tucker, and Todd. And they're very boring parents. And... Um, they his parents decide to go out for a, a hotel weekend. Okay. All right. And the girl next door, the hotter than should be hot allowed, um, next door neighbor, uh, p- character's name is B, played by Samara Weaving. She's like best friends with young Cole. And she's very cool and they click very well. And she's like a big sister to him. And he's, you know, he's in awe of her, got a crush on her, but he's also realistic about it. So he's not like, oh, there's a chance. He's not like that at all. So that 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 is important. Okay. Um, what happens is after the parents are gone and she babysits, <laughs> Cole has his, you know, his evening where he has fun with her and they play games and and, and you know, talk about rock music and everything and it's fucking awesome. Okay. Then he has to go to bed. Well. She tries to drug him, but he doesn't drink the drug, and he pretends to go to sleep. Well, while how does she try to drug him? She gets a shot of um, like she she tries to bribe him by saying, "If you go to bed," because he said, "I can't sleep." She goes, "Well, okay, well, if I give you one shot of uh, bourbon or whatever, will you go to sleep?" He goes, "Okay." So she gives him the shot, and then he he doesn't want to drink it, so shoots it behind his head. He goes, "Well, I'm like I can't drink alone." And so she goes and gets herself a shot and he pours it into a fucking planner. Right. As she's gone. And then so he pretends to go to sleep and then he waits and he listens to see if if people come over cuz she wants cuz he he thinks that she's going to bring like a boyfriend over or something after he goes to sleep, right? Uh-huh. So he he waits and he listens and then he hears the door open and he hears people downstairs. Uh-huh. So then he goes and he spies on them from from upstairs, you know, through the through the banister and stuff. And they're uh, the her and her three dudes and two other chicks are having a spin the bottle contest, 
and it's pretty much you know it gets pretty kinky pretty fast where uh b ends up making out with uh bella thorne's character alicia or allison who's in a cheerleader outfit and it's very hot makeout scene tongues and all and <laughs> everything's going good and it's funny when all of a sudden the nerd of the group who who um Cole had just witnessed um, be talking to earlier in the day who normally someone like her wouldn't be giving that guy at the time of day. He's there as well. And the spin, the bottle goes towards him. And now B's got to go make out with him. Right. And she goes over there and she starts kissing him. And all of a sudden <laughs> she just pulls out two gigantic daggers and stabs him right through the skull, the oh. top of the skull. And I had to hurt. And then to Cole's horror, to Cole's horrific surprise, there is you find out that it's all a planned satanic ritual, and the movie goes turns into a homo a Tucker and Dale style Home Alone. Okay, and I don't want to give away too much, but I will say that I'm not going to give away too much here, Morty. There is a lot of sense of humor in this movie. Um, there is to me there's essences of uh, supernatural in it. Um, the movie's fucking funny, or it's funnier than shit. And all the death scenes, they are gory, but they are fucking hilarious. Also, well done. So, if you like gore and humor, like Shaun of the Dead type shit, then you are definitely gonna like The Babysitter. Um, it just it's it's short, so it doesn't it doesn't overstay its length. It just gets to the fucking point, and it's entertaining the whole time. And okay. yeah, I don't like I said, I don't want to give too much away. But it's fucking funny, dude. It is absolutely funny. Um, there's even scenes with the bully next door who who treats Cole like shit, and then <laughs> ends up treating him more like shit. Uh, one of the um, one of the Satanists is played by uh, by uh, Robbie Amell, who's the cousin of Stephen Amell from Arrow, right. and he plays the shirtless, six pack having douchebag, right? The the quarterback jock. Uh-huh. And there's this scene where because every time Cole's in danger, he's always chased by one of those people. They're they're always split off, right? So he, they get he they get picked off one at a time, and so it gets to the point where where Robbie Amell's chasing him, and he's laughing his ass off at him the whole time because he's faster than him in every way. And he goes and Cole's running. He's like, "It's not fair! It's not fair!" And he goes, "Just keep trying." And he's like giving him fucking advice and shit while he's about to kill him, and it, it's funnier and shit. And then, uh. He even encourages him to stand up to his bully because his bully's out front doing shit. Right. And and he's like, oh, yeah, I ain't going to kill you just yet. You need to go handle that, your bully, real quick. Stand up to him, <laughs> right? And just it, it, great sense of humor. movie has a great fucking sense of humor. Uh, I'm reading through the Wikipedia. And yeah. I'm not going to say anything, but there is some fucking cool shit. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I don't want to give too much away, but it is fucking funny and is absolutely worth the 85 minutes that, um, that you commit to it. So, the baby sit down. That's all I have to take it away. Uh, maybe. Oh, by the way, it has a sixty-nine percent approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Right. Netflix has been making uh, some decent films. You know, Gerald's Game uh, was really good. This one was pr- really fucking good. Uh, next, I'm going to check out the 1922, the uh, Stephen King adaptation with uh, Thomas Jane. That might be a flick of the week. It might not. I'm not sure. It depends on how I feel about that. But I will check it out soon. Hmm. Uh yeah, Robbie Amell, Bella Thorne, Andrew Bachelor, Emily Allen Lind, Leslie Bibb, Ken Marino, 
Samara Weaving and Judah Lewis all are in um, the babysitter. Yes. I did. Uh, so I, 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 I keep fucking uh, talking about having, you know, wanting to watch Mr. Brooks. And the reason why I haven't watched Mr. Brooks is. Late schedule. Yeah, my schedule sucks. You don't want to commit to something you have to pay attention to when you just flick on the easier shit that you've already seen. No. Correct? No, I get home and I'm fucking. Well, yeah, I guess that's what it is. I get home, I'm too tired. I just don't want to fucking throw the movie on you and have to, to deal think. with all that bullshit. Yeah, you don't have to think. I know. <clears throat> all right. Easy Money, <laughs> Dangerfield, Pesci, Geraldine Fitzgerald, Candace Azara, Jennifer Jason Lee, directed by James Signorelli, and it was written by Dangerfield, Michael Ender, PJ O'Rourke, and Dennis Blair. Um, one of the theme songs is written by Billy Joel and was featured on his album. An Innocent Man's Called Easy Money. Uh, James Signorelli did Superfly, Black Caesar, The Concert in Central Park, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, if you remember that movie. Saw that in theaters. And Hotel Room. He's also best known for his work on Saturday Night Live. Uh, he's been the film segment producer for more than 400 episodes and has produced many of the commercial parodies for which the show is noted. Anyways, that's James Signorelli. So he did Easy Money. Easy Money is about... Rodney Dangerfield's character, Monty Capilletti. He's a hard-living, heavy-drinking, pot-smoking, gambling family man, and they all accept it. Hmm. They all accept the fact that he does drugs and smokes, cigarettes and fucking drinks and all this other stuff. Yeah. He's a baby photographer in New Dorp, Staten Island. He loves his wife, Rose, but has a very tense relationship with her mother, (laughs) who runs a successful department store chain uh, called Monahan's. Or Monahans and hates the way money acts. Anyways, uh, the irresponsible money cannot even pick up a wedding cake for his engaged daughter, Allison, without fouling up. And he and his best friend, Nikki Cerrone, who is played by Joe Pesci, are smoking marijuana while driving and accidentally <laughs> destroys a cake. Anyways, uh, Mrs. Monahan dies unexpectedly, and they're going to get an inheritance, which is they get to basically run the company. It's $10 million plus they get the company, control of the company. Uh, the attorney Scrappleton reveals that the stipulation for this whole thing is that Monty has to curb his vices for a year by going on a diet, giving up drugs and gambling. But he's always hanging around his friends. Yeah. The, who Taylor are, Negron. That's yeah, Taylor Negron. As Taylor was there, but I couldn't remember his last name. T- Taylor Negron, Tom Noonan, uh, uh, Jeffrey Jones, J- Jennifer Jason Lee, Joe Pesci, Rodney Dangerfield, and a bunch of others. Come to find out that she had faked her own death, but now he's living in this big mansion and he still has to deal with the bullshit. She's a fucking control freak. The, the mother-in-law is a control freak. Uh-huh. But at the end, he goes downstairs into the basement where his friends are drinking and smoking and, and eating pizza. Yeah. That's not the whole... This movie, I love. I love this movie because it's just so fucking basic. Yeah. It's funny. Simple funny. So Taylor Negron plays Julio, who is going to marry Jennifer Jason Lee's character, who is the daughter of Rodney Dangerfield. Her name is Allison Capaletti. But on their wedding night, she can't deal with the fact that he's about to pork her, yeah. right? So she's never done it. She's embarrassed, blah, 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 blah. So she moves back in with her parents. And so the subplot throughout the whole movie is the fact that Taylor Negron is trying to win her back. Yeah. And his friend is always trying to say, hey, you got to do it this way. You got to do it this way. Be a tough guy and this and that. Yeah. So I'm watching the movie and 
And he's like, I'm a bad man. I'm a, he's yelling up in the windows, I'm a bad man. I'm so bad, I should be in detention. And I stopped because I was, I was going out for a cigarette. Yeah. And I stopped and I looked at the fucking screen and I went, no fucking way. And that line is directly referenced, or that line is said, in the Anthrax song, I'm the Man. So if you ever listen to the song, I'm so bad I should be in detention, they say, shut up and whatever else. <laughs> and in the movie, that's what Taylor Negron says. And I finally finally understood the connection. Finally clicked. Yeah. And I'm like, holy shit, that's fucking cool. So <laughs> Pesci's in it. A whole bunch of people from the Sopranos are in it. You know, they they play. They always are playing these bit part gangsters in all these other movies. Funny or not, doesn't matter. They're they've been in Goodfellas. They've been in every fucking Martin Scorsese movie you could think of. Yeah. Um, but Tom Noonan, who plays the bad guy in RoboCop Two, Frank Moore Scopolamine. Yeah. And uh, cut it with Scopolamine. Yeah. It's making my teeth chatter. He he and Pesci. Are like really good buddies in this movie. Like Tom Noonan is like seven foot tall, yeah, and Pesci's like two foot tall. Yeah, I think Pesci's like five two or something. And it's funny to see them interact together because Pesci is a fucking monster in this movie. He's, he plays he plays this, he plays Pesci. Yeah, you know, and he just doesn't take shit. He will fucking get in anybody's faces. How am I funny? <laughs> How am I funny? Oh, Yo, baby, come over here. I gotta get on this table. I gotta fucking put my foot in your ass. You know? <laughs> yeah. And that's that's Pesci. Yeah. Takes no and shit. and Noonan's grabbing him. He's like, hey, you can't do that. So, but all of Rodney Dangerfield's friends always end up at this bar, and one of them I think owns the bar. Yeah. Right. So it's and um, Jeffrey Jones who plays um, the son. This uh, not son. I don't think it's the son. I thought he was the son. Anyways, his name is Clive, and. As yeah, it's uh, Clive Barlow, who is uh, the son of of uh, Dangerfield's mother-in-law. Mm. Okay, and he runs the store. And one of the things in the store is so. In one of the scenes, Pesci has to get a shirt, so he decides that they decide to go to Monahan's because they've never been inside it. They've driven by it, never been inside it because it's you know upscale. Yeah, and it's it's not a, it's it's more of a mall than a department store. So they have all these other, they have all these places like, you know, these, this antiquities place, you know, come in and browse and, and shirts. Like, this is one of my favorite scenes. So, Pesci wants a shirt. He just wants a black shirt. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a collared button up shirt. And they walk up to the counter and there's, there's a dummy on the counter that has a vest on, yeah. a sweater vest. And you know, there's no hair or whatever else, and and Pesci knocks on it. He he knocks on it with his uh with his ring, you know. Hey, can I can I get some help? Right, <laughs> and up from nowhere pops this fucking sales guy who is bald, mm-hmm. right, and is wearing the same exact outfit, and you can see it in the fucking movie. It's it's so goddamn funny because Pesci wasn't expecting this, yeah. and he starts laughing. <laughs> so Pesci is laughing and he has to cover his mouth as Rodney Dangerfield's like doing his shtick. Yeah. Like he, you know, why don't you put your heads together and make a whole ass, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know. If you don't knock it off, I'm gonna knock him out, type of thing, right? I was like, time my wife was a water sign. Together we made mud. Yeah. <laughs> and uh I think that was from back to school. Yeah. 
And um, I, get, I think what really started this whole thing off was the Goldmans had this this the Goldbergs. The, yeah, the Goldbergs, the Goldmans. <laughs> the Goldbergs are doing this thing this year where every episode yeah. is based off of. Either a, a you know, like a college type of uh, '80s movie, oh, okay, or some sort of '80s like they had weird science, weird science, but it's weird Goldbergs, <laughs> you know, or the Goldbergs, but with the weird science logo, yeah. And then they had Revenge of the Nerds, but it wasn't, mm-hmm. it was you know the Goldbergs, but Nerds. so so in the Goldbergs they rented Back to School, mm-hmm. and I think that's kind of what set the flame on that one with the Easy Money is a Rodney Dangerfield movie. Wasn't his son in Back to School the same? main character or the the actor who played was the main character from christine i think so yes yeah so um this fucking movie rodney dangerfield is so funny in this movie yeah <laughs> and even i mean jennifer jason lee is funny in this movie um yeah here it is Monty and Nikki go to the mother-in-law's department store and find awkward fashions catering to clientele which clearly do not indicate the likes of Nikki and Monty Nikki argues that it may not be worth it if, to Monty if this kind of atmosphere is, you know, where he's going to be. But Monty points out that he might, he's got to tough it out. So um, even then, they try to uh, – Clive Barlow tries to uh, – or Jeffrey Jones' character yeah. tries to sabotage. You want to drink, you want to smoke. And then they try to sabotage it. He tries to sabotage it even more by getting Rodney Dangerfield to uh, – um, come up with a line of clothing because they were in the board meeting they're like you know all your fucking clothes are shit basically why don't you have the average joe or the average guy fucking shirt or pants or whatever yeah and then they had the fashion show where you know it was it was like a quote-unquote disaster it was like the homer simpson mobile yeah and then they started putting the clothes in in the front of the store and all the kids started coming in and buying shit and it's a fucking hit right yeah of course because it's you know they're finally understanding what the average person wants Uh uh-huh Right, so everything works out in the end. Everyone gets what they want. Yeah, and even even though Clive, Clive, even though Jeffrey Jones' character is a complete douchebag, has it been that fucking long? Yeah, he's been dead for uh, thirteen years. Fuck. So he was eighty-two when he died. Yep. Holy shit! So he would have been if he, if he was still alive, he'd be ninety-five. He uh, he literally took like fifteen or twenty years off. He didn't get back into his career till he was almost fifty. Mm-hmm. And he took time off to raise his family. Walked away from Hollywood. He Rick Moranis it. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, I remember um, one of his the role that he hated, but he was most acclaimed for was his role as um, uh, Juliette Lewis's father in uh, Natural Born Killers. Right. That was a fucking great role. I mean, it was fucking scary, his role. I mean, in 1980, Rodney shared an apartment with a housekeeper, his poodle, Kino, and his closest friend of 30 years, Joe Ansis. Like, he lived with a dude, and, you know, he resented being confused with his onstage performance. Um, let's see. What? Yeah, there it is right there. Uh, in the early 60s, he started down what would be a long road toward rehabilitating his career. Oh, here it is. Um, so he started doing Jack Roy. Um, he struggled financially for nine years, so at, at 19, from 19 to 28, at one point performing as a singing waiter until he was fired. Um, he later said that he was so little known that at the time I quit, I was the only one who knew I quit. He always said that. Okay, so and that was when he was like 19. So ni- between 19 and 20, 19 to 28, when was he born? 28. 
21. Okay, so 1930, 1940. He was 19 years old. Uh-huh. And then, so 19, oh, fuck, 1940 to 1950, right? And and then he took 10 years off, and then in the 60s he started down his, he, he started rehabilitating his career, mm-hmm. which is fucking incredible. You know, he divorced his wife, Joy, in 61, returned to stage, um, and then he fell into <laughs> debt and couldn't get booked. Take and, my wife, please. I played one club. <laughs> it was so far out my act was revealed in field and stream. Uh, then he's and then you know, 1967 is when his career took off. His stand up, yeah. On March 5th, when he had to do the Ed Sullivan show. I can't serve you. I'm over 21. You're just too ugly. <laughs> the bartender says I can't serve you. Why not? I'm over 21. You're just too ugly. Boy, I tell you, I get no respect. <laughs> and from then that on, was, that was his get get her done. Yep. From then on, man, he was a fucking. He was a fucking uh, mammoth, just comedian. Yeah. Anyways. Um, so that means when he did Easy Money, he was already almost 60. Yeah. Fuck. That's a fucking trooper, dude. Yeah. Last week, my house was on fire. My wife told me, kids, be quiet. You'll wake daddy. <laughs> I was ugly. Very ugly. When I was born, the doctor smacked my mother. Um, yeah. Uh, easy Money ball guy scene you know says taylor negron um who i always forget about him and then when i see him in a movie i'm like i fucking love that guy you know what i mean everything you see him in um especially in last boy scout when he played milo yeah the regular guy look taylor negron was the pizza delivery guy in fast times Ridgemont high honey there's a measure smith what did he say there's a measure smith in the kitchen go clean it up (laughs) and she's just sitting there like what the fuck (laughs) This is this is the scene I'm talking about where they go into Monahan's. Fuck yeah, Pesci's almost always the same. Let me fix the bathrooms here. Unless he's bathrooms. Leo gets. Watch this. That's <laughs> <laughs> two security guards. <laughs> Watch. This is the scene right here. <laughs> See? Right there, fucking Pesci almost lost it. <laughs> In a dark black. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> <laughs> One more word out of you and he gets it, all right? <laughs> Odds and ends. Oh, look at me. I'm browsing. <laughs> May I help you? Look at how fucking jittery he is. <laughs> On my mother's side. <laughs> it looks like he's reading a bowl. <laughs> <laughs> See, and it doesn't go through this typical bullshit where, like, they'll knock shit over and break things, and then all of a sudden they're in trouble. It, yeah. It does it as a smart browsing, you know, this, this, they go into this odds and ends store where it's got antiques all over the place, but it does it in a smart way where yeah. they're not accidentally knocking shit over and, oh, you know, like the most of the commies today. It's, it's a, it's a funny goddamn Yeah, show. and I love the, the end scene where it's just, it, it's like the punchline yeah. joke and it's fucking hilarious, dude. Yeah. This, this movie is an entire setup for, for one punchline. <laughs> Anyways, uh, easy money. It, I love the movie. I'm not even, I don't have to rate it. Just I love the yeah. movie. I recommend it. All right. Um, I don't have any news, um, news this week that I can think of. Just listen to Compelled. But uh, what, uh, I have more lift stories, if you wouldn't mind. 
sure. Let's just make the podcast as long as possible. Well, yeah, isn't that what this is all about? Baby? No. <laughs> Let's see. Okay, I had my most awkward ride so far. Uh, I'm driving Lyft. Um, I've done 66 rides so far in um, just under two weeks, and I uh, I don't think you should have to give out that information. Well, no, no, I, I just just to show you the average of how often I get a fucking weirdo. I had one weirdo who was the guy picked up at a house like at two in the fucking morning. I had to take him about seven miles away and it was a long seven miles where he just talked about his life and being out of prison and 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 wicked girlfriends and shit and then and then he talks to me for like another five minutes after the fucking ride's over you know mm-hmm. and i'm just in my head i'm just like please just get the fuck out of the car mm-hmm. right <laughs> but i humor and all that good shit and um but no the bad one i uh during one of the weekends i had to go to uh, so that was your awkward story that was that was just the normal uncomfortable. The awkward, extremely uncomfortable, unpleasant one was where I had to go to, um, late, about eleven, I think eleven in, to twelve o'clock at night. I had to go to Old Sack to pick up a couple. All right. And they both sat in the back seat. Um, the lady sat behind me, and then the dude sat next to her on the other side. Okay. The passenger back, and I had to break, take them from 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 Old Sack to. Citrus Heights, or to pretty almost pretty much Roseville, off of Kirby. Okay. So it's about a twenty minute ride, and oh my god! Right when they get in the car, she's very polite and very nice. Him, he's already trying to sell me fucking drugs before I even turn the corner. He's like, "Oh, you want them cookies, man? And and are you you have you ever tried them cookies? Are you? I got some cocoa. You want a fucking dude trying to sell me everything under the sun? I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Thanks, bro. Right. And Why, she's you got a sampler, and she's getting fucking pissed at him. I'm like, shit, I can't believe you're a piece of shit. And we're pulling onto the freeway, and I are, I have music playing. I always have some kind of music playing, and it's it's playing low, but still. And he's like, what's your fucking problem? And she's like, I can't believe you, what you did, and 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 pretty much this is the gist of it. From their conversation, I I could tell that he was a very controlling, um, uh, uh hovering fucking boyfriend. Okay, and. She would say things like, oh, you know, you, you, she goes, you followed me into the fucking bathroom. Wouldn't even give me that space or anything. And he's like, baby, I do everything for you. I do this, I do that. And you could just tell that he's a fucking asshole, right? He's a control freak. Right. And he has to explain why he does certain things. Yeah. And then, so baby. she's all, I just, I need you to leave me alone. Just stay on your side of the car and leave me alone till we get home. And he just, he won't stop. He keeps fucking leaning over and forcing her to kiss him. And and then um, every time she goes, okay, now get back on your side. And then after a, you should have fucking hit the brakes, like, oh my god, did you see that squirrel? <laughs> after a couple seconds, um, when she goes, I can't believe how much of a fucking asshole you are. And he goes, you know what? I'm gonna kick your fucking ass when we get home. I'm right. gonna fuck you up. He would say shit like, I would, I'm gonna fuck you up when we get home. Right. Right. And she goes, yeah, thank you, thank you so much for an, a, a good date night and all this stuff. Right. Right. And he starts saying, you know, with your fucking, I've been there for you and your fucking son and all this stuff. She, you know, throwing shit in her face. Was she hot? I could I couldn't tell, but I think she was a very attractive. You could tell that I think he was like ten years younger than her, and she was someone that had already been through some shit. Right, but, but I mean, you didn't even look at her when she got out of the car. It was dark at night, dude, and where I dropped them off, the the I didn't even look at them, dude. I just was like, you you guys take it easy, okay? Um, but the whole ride home, he tr- she tried to like change the subject and with him, so she started talking to me. And um, you know, talking to me about the what, why I had Halloween radio on on Pandora and and other things. And every time she would start talking to me, he'd fucking interrupt. Right. And 
And then he, oh, and then when she was really interested in the music, he goes, this is really good music right here. Yeah, he would go, oh, yeah, man, put on 102, man. Put on 102. Then I put on, you know, and I, I'm trying not to have any fucking conflict. So I just, right. I put on fucking 102. And and then he goes, turn that shit up. Because every time she would try to talk to me, he goes, turn that shit up. So I'm just, I do the woo-saw breathing. I'm just like, <sighs> yeah. and I'm like, God, I just want to get there. I just want to, so I'm going like 74 the whole way because I don't want to get a ticket. And I just like, I got to get him there. Got to get him there. I'm, I fucking got to get him out of here. And I, and here's my line. And I'm thinking about what's my line in this situation. Where do I draw the fucking line? And my line was this. If he started fucking manhandling her, I was going to have to pull over and either fucking tell him to get the fuck out of the car or I was going to call the cops. And I kept waiting for that moment to happen. It never fucking happened, but it was it was so fucking unc- I look when I started dr- doing this lift driving I took all these different scenarios into account and like okay this could happen that could happen but I never thought about the abusive asshole boyfriend you know who's mm-hmm. fucking just mean and just fucking piece of shit and this guy was a piece of fucking shit why didn't you why didn't you call well the sitting it's not citrusized Roseville why don't you call the Roseville Police Department and and Say, I think that this guy is is a problem, and he threatened this little girl. I drive for Lyft, and he threatened her in the car. When I get home, I'm going to beat the fucking shit out of you, and I think there's a problem. Okay, for a few reasons. For one, I've got a fucking job to do, and I've got more shit to do after this. Um, the other thing is this. The way they were talking to each other, I could tell that this wasn't the first fucking time this is, they, they've argued like this. Okay. Okay. Um, and they're both drunk, so... I don't know how far shit ever goes with them. Like she kept saying, I, I'm kicking you out. He's all, oh, you're going to kick me out and all this shit like that. Um, and where the fucking shit ended, I am allowed to give a rating on the customer. And so I was, I was driving away. I gave the lowest rating possible and I fucking wrote an explanation. I said the guy was berating his girlfriend the entire time and made the ride extremely uncomfortable. Right. And so now I will never be paired up with him again because it was under his name. Okay, so... I'm going to be a dick. That's fine. Go ahead. Because I, I know exactly what you're going to fucking say. Go ahead. What am I going to say? You're going to say, why didn't I fucking do something? Do Why didn't I do more to try to help her out? We do a podcast called Compelled mm-hmm. to bring to light sexual and physical abuse uh-huh. of people. And knowing that you had, this is, I'm just asking this question, yeah. knowing that you had these two people on the back yeah. of your car. Knowing that we do this compelled thing, yeah. Why wouldn't you call the cops? Why wouldn't I? He physically threatened her with beating her up. Mm-hmm. That's mental abuse, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Why didn't I? Uh, first thing, of course, is I'm I was I, I was a little afraid, and the reason why I was a little afraid is because I'm not used to situations like that. Um, I didn't know how to approach it. Um, I, I kept my cool the whole fucking time, but. I think I do this more often. I might, you know, come to better reasoning. But part of my fear was if I confront them while the ride's going on, what if the guy has a fucking, I mean, the guy admitted he's a fucking drug dealer. So what if he has a gun or a fucking knife on him? But you don't confront them on the drive. You, after the ride after is the over ride. and they get out of the car and you drive away, mm-hmm. noting where they live. And then you call the cops. You know what? Seriously? Um, I, de- I debated on being harsh. I didn't think about calling the cops at all, but I did debate on giving um, a more descriptive um, explanation on the low rating, but I thought about something else and what it was was, and maybe this is selfish on my part, but she's a grown woman 
and she's got fucking grown kids. She told me that she has a kid that's 24 and a kid that's fucking 12. And anyway, she's a grown woman and she, she is regardless of how fucked up this is. I have my own life to live and she's fucking, she, she needs to make smarter fucking choices. Okay. Okay. And that's, I'm not responsible for her shitty choices and boyfriends. Okay. Again, we do a podcast. Yes, I know. To bring this stuff to light. Yes. Which, in cases like this, okay, the, the judgment call in the cases like this are very difficult. And you already said the key words, which is my responsibility ended when the ride ended. Mm-hmm. Does, but... I sound kind of uh, hypocritical. You're being hypocritical, yeah. However, that doesn't mean that, doesn't mean that you don't care about what's going on. Yeah, I felt bad for her. I really did. But, again... <sighs> I've learned to. I'm I'm, tre- I'm, yeah. I'm I'm circling around. I know, I know. Without trying to be a complete I, dick I, and say, why fine. didn't you fucking do anything about this? Human condition, dude. It, it's fucking. It's it's easy to say one thing and then fucking do another. Um, it, it, you know, you can pump up your game to a certain point, but us behind microphones is one thing. Me in the situation, I'm not used to that shit, and and I've learned to try to butt out of people's business. It is butting out of people's business, and but when you are in a situation like that yeah. and you drive away, picking up the phone and making a phone call mm-hmm. would help more than hinder. Okay, and look, I'll, I trial and error, right? Okay, I'm not used I to guess. that situation. So um, the more often that this shit happens, and it's going to fucking happen again, it's going to. It might be worse. It might be fucking not as bad. I will I'll try to learn from it and react appropriately. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Now, now, all the people that have done that have gone through this mm-hmm. this abuse that we're talking about on yeah. Capel, do you think that they they or their significant others reacted the same exact way? Oh, I, I think. Uh, or their friends. I, I think that yeah, a lot of people turned a blind eye because for one, they didn't want to deal with it. Um, another thing um, is the uh, is fear. Like, like it's the fear of. Of having to face something like that. Okay. And so now you completely understand yeah. how the victims yeah. of this assault stuff happen. Oh, no, no. I get it. Trust me. I, I, Not just the victims. I'm talking yeah. about their friends, uh-huh. their lovers, their family and stuff like that, where yeah, everyone probably said the same exact thing, which is, I am not going to be responsible uh, for you. Yeah. Because you're not doing anything about it, even though blah, blah, blah happened. Yeah, it's like the fucking Johnny Depp, Amber Heard thing with the friend that finally spoke up about it. Right. Yeah. You know, he didn't you mean care. Doug Stanhope? Yeah. You know the guy's name. I, uh, fucking, yeah. Right. So he had the balls to stand up for it. A lot of people don't. And I look, I, I can fucking admit that, I, you know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not the front of the line kind of guy you know like fucking stand there and pump my chest down and be like i'll save the day I, i'm not fucking mighty mouse i i'm still learning okay so i can admit a little i can admit some wrongdoing i'm not the fucking asshole that's abusing her but i admit that i probably could have done a little more and like i said life is a learning fucking curve right or learning experience i'm still learning man okay that, it is what it is so um yeah it and it happened quick, you know. Afterwards, I was just glad to be fucking away from that shit, from that atmosphere. And uh, right after I left, I already got hit with another ride, and I was fucking on to, to the next one. Right. You know what I mean? So, yeah, excuses, right. excuses. You know, blah blah blah. But, um, yeah. Oh, okay. And then lastly, I have the opposite story to this, and the opposite is, I um, I got 
a late night fucking call. Uh, I was I dropped off a couple in Rio Linda, a drunk couple, and right before I dropped them off, it gave me and I don't know how fucking Lyft knows this, but sometimes they give me these instant fucking accepts on other people nearby that I didn't accept at all. They just fucking it automatically gives it to me. Weird. It's fucking weird. Anyway, so I accept it because it's right down the street. I go and I pick up a group of people in costumes. I had crammed four, one dude and three chicks in the back and then one dude up front with me sitting next to me. And they needed to go from Rio Linda, deep in Rio Linda, to <laughs> all the way to Rockland, to a hotel in Rockland. And as I'm right, as I'm driving them there, it's about a 20-minute drive because it's late at night, so there's no traffic. And they're talking about things that happened at the party. And <laughs> there's these, you know, mentions about why didn't you go off with that guy? Why didn't you do this and do that? And then all of a sudden they go, there's talk about the glory hole room. And <laughs> they're like, why didn't you stick your dick in the holes? And they're like, because I didn't know who was on the other end to say hello and all this stuff. And I thought they were joking around, fucking around. And I said, I who said, who the fuck goes to a place where it has a glory hole and gets afraid to stick their dick in because. They wanted to say hello to the person. I didn't look. I was thinking. Hi there. How are you? This is my dick. Shut up. (laughs) First of all, I'm concentrating on the drive because I got to make sure that I drive really well so that I get a good rating. Okay. Because good ratings are very important as a Lyft driver. Um, But at the same time, I'm trying to listen because they, you know, they they kind of included me in the situation a little in the conversation a little bit by asking me a couple questions and, and this and that. But anyway. I said, what the fuck kind of party did y'all go to, <laughs> right? And because they already started cussing with me. So that opens the dialogue for why I can be, you know, profane back, right? And so. Sure. <laughs> and so anyway, I go, what the fuck kind of party did y'all go to? And they go, don't worry about it. You couldn't handle it. I go, motherfucker. I said, you don't know what the fuck I've done in the past. So don't even fucking go there with me. And they're like, oh, right. <laughs> All this shit. So we're driving. And you couldn't handle it. <laughs> I don't want to look go at there. the way I dress. <laughs> <laughs> I dress like a, I dress like a, like a fucking Russian. I, I dress like a, a pimp version of Kevin Smith. <laughs> yeah. I got, I got fucking, I dress like an Italian mobster version of Kevin Smith with my fucking Adidas shorts on and my, my tennis shoes. There you go. Give me a fucking break. So I, I, and so we're just driving and, they, they're talking more about like this than this one girl's all, oh, oh, my pussy's getting so wet right now and all this stuff. And I'm, and I'm trying, I'm, it's calculating, but I'm still trying to concentrate. And, and then we, right when we pull into the hotel, one of the girls goes, you owe it to yourself to go, have you ever been to an SLS party? And I go, no, but right when she said SLS party, I already fucking knew what it was without knowing what it was. And she goes, you owe it to yourself to try it out. Right. And they're all fucking thankful and happy, and they fucking storm out of the car and go into their hotel room. I assume to have a fucking gay old time. And and I, as I'm driving away, it like the whole time I was when we were driving, I'm like, okay, uh, these people are are uh, they're fuckers, they're definite fuckers. But as I'm driving away, I finally the other part of it clicked in, and I'm like, oh, they're orgy people, <laughs> they're swingers, baby. I even said that I even fucking Austin powered them. I fucking said, oh, so you swing as Vivi. And I pulled them up to the fucking awning at the hotel and dropped them off. But for some dumb reason, it just wasn't calculating because I, I don't encounter people like that very often that I'm aware of. 
You know what I mean? You probably encounter people like that all the time without knowing it, but I mean actually knowing it in, in your face. Okay. I have no idea what they're talking about with SLS. SLS is a nightlife and pool party type thing at South South Beach Hotels. Well, look up uh, SLS Sacramento. SLS Party Sacramento. Um, and you'll see what it is. It's, um, it's definitely uh, open-minded. Is it? What was the one of the funniest things they they talked about? Um, group, yeah. Uh, there is nothing here that supports the SLS theory. I looked it up, dude, organs. right after I fucking dropped them off, and it was in there. It, I, I maybe it was something I, I tried something a little different. Um, but uh, yeah, California so swing. There you go. And uh, there was one part. Uh, one of the girls was talking to another girl in the back seat, and they're all, "What she say?" She said, "So, uh, yeah, what about uh?" Was she fucking Rick Sanchez? She's all, she's all what about Black Gandalf? What what? And well, what goes, about Black she Gandalf? Goes, she goes, she goes, it was a fucking black dude in a gray sweatshirt. He wasn't Gandalf. <laughs> All this shit is so fucking <laughs> Oh, god damn it. It, it. Yeah, dude. Anyway, it just I felt so dumb. Like, God, why couldn't I have I couldn't have handled that moment like, do you need a sixth person to come up? Or Because I, you're I'm you have no game. I uh, I dude, you you have. I don't have. I'm not saying I do. I'm just saying you. You have about as much game as I do. I have phone game. No. Yes, You're, I do. You, no, the game sucks, dude. I have You're phone game. You don't, motherfucker. I've never hit on you, so you can't say that shit. You're just fucking terrible. At no, it I, I, I have phone game. It's mm. like I, I can give that deep very wide voice, and I can just uh huh <laughs> dive into your fantasies, baby. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, yeah, you know what? I just fuck it. Dude, I, it was funny. As I'm driving away, I'm like, fucking swingers. All right. All right. Cool. Fuck. All right. Awesome. <laughs> anyway, uh, more adventures to come on uh, Joe's Lift. Uh, well, I already said adventures, so fuck it. All right. Anyway, so that's this week's uh, Flicks of the Week. Um, I am Joe, the non-swinger Spiegel. I am Mike Sutherland, the non-swinger Kevin Smith Mafia also? Yeah, we're, we're Kevin Smith Mafia. Ma- Mafia. Yeah, there you go. All right, so that's it. Catch y'all later. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Apparently Joe's got to take a real bad piss. I got to take a wicked yes. <laughs> good show. Jolly good show. Jolly good show indeed. Hakuna Matata, bitches. <laughs> Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check us out at a couple of averagejoes.com and please make sure that you leave a comment and share the podcast. That would be awesome. Have a good night. This is the end. This is the end. Finito! The end, I tell you! We're all going to nibble the dust! Or go fuck yourself.